we're beginning our last mini-series in our, uh, within our topic of talking about uh, the questions that Jesus asked in his ministry. So we're gonna, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about wisdom, uh, what, what Christ had to say about wisdom. And uh, just because this thing has been around for 2,000 years, and this, this Bible has been gone through, and, and most of us have read it through, uh, multiple times, or whether we went through, I, I think, was it three years ago, we went through it all uh, as a church from, from cover to cover, uh, or, or whether we've done it in parts. We, we're so familiar with these stories that kind of when we, when we start talking about anything, when we, we uh, turn to any portion of Scripture, we're already familiar with it. And you're like, oh yeah. Uh, and, and you kind of know the lessons that you pull from every story. Right? You, you're kind of like, oh yeah, this is the story where Jesus talked about this, and this is that, and this is the conclusion. And we, we kind of have them all cataloged, which is a testament to how amazing this book is, that it's influenced humanity in such a way that, that we know the stories. And, and uh, it's hard for us to imagine not having this. Uh, it, it's so much a part of our society that, that people who aren't religious at all know a lot of these things. Oh yeah, that's familiar. Right? You, you, you watch a, a movie and there'll be references to the Bible throughout it. And, and I, you, I wonder some of the time if the people that wrote the movie even know that that's from the Bible. Some of them say, like, hey, that's a Bible verse or that's a this. You know? It's just such a part of our society. And that's the success of the gospel, but, but sometimes it's good to, to back away and to try to read it with what they call fresh eyes. Fresh eyes is like um, uh, when, they, when uh, a friend of mine was uh, an inspector, a fire inspector, and, uh, and he said, uh, when, when you have an inspection, before I come, right, before I come and cancel you, you need to have someone... Uh, come in with what they call fresh eyes and look at your building because I'm going to come and probably fail you. Because you're used to all the, the things that are wrong with your house, right? Like, you know when, when you're walking in your house, you know where to duck at the right time because there's this thing that, that's a little bit lower. Or you know where you kind of, one of those, you know which one of those steps is not the right height or whatever, and you kind of got to pick that up. But somebody else doesn't know that. Right? So, so these are things in your house that are dangerous. And, 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 but an inspector is going to look at that and go, that's wrong. That needs to be fixed or whatever. And you're used to it. Uh, and so, so it's good for us to have those fresh eyes. So, so you bring in somebody that's not used to it. Why is that there? Right? Uh, before the inspector gets there. And that's kind of the idea that we want to look at when we're looking at some of these questions. Is, is step back and ask why. The why of the story. And that's kind of what we're dealing with today. In Matthew chapter 11, we're, we're going to get right into to some of these. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, in verse uh, 25. And I uh, want to introduce this kind of with a couple of scriptures and go through these. Uh, and, and we're going to connect these, these statements up with, with some questions that we're going to get to. Matthew 11:25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father... Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Well, we know that verse, and we're kind of, we're, we're familiar with that, and we, we, we know all the answers, right? Don't we know all the answers of why Jesus did this and, and, and uh, revealed this and, and didn't reveal this? But I want you to step back for just a moment and, and look at this. And Jesus said, I thank you, God, 
that you've hidden this from certain people. Why, why in the world would Christ thank God that he's hidden this? I can see, I can see you know, God, I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's working out, I guess. Uh, you know, I, you know it, it's your will to, to reveal. But to thank God. God, I thank you that these people don't get it. Imagine being, we've got some teachers in here, right? Have you ever thanked God that a couple of students in your class just don't get it? (laughs) Thank you, God, that they didn't figure it out. No, it's like, I want you out of my class next year. Do not fail this class. I want you out. The teachers are laughing. No one thanks God that no one's getting it or, or that a portion aren't getting it. Jesus is thanking that God, apparently I'm not a great teacher. I can't convince everyone. Thank you. No, no, that's a statement of my teacher. So just step back and look at some of these statements. They're odd statements. And we're so used to it because we read it and read it and read it. We just kind of... I've got to get through the end of the chapter to get my three chapters in the day. And, uh, and so we just go through it and we don't really stop. Step back. Now, I think he's not talking about literally the wise... Here, but I think he's talking about the people who have set themselves up as being wise, the educated people, right? In any society, there is frequently the most educated who are the most blind. Not always, but a lot of times conceit sets people up to think they're a little bit smarter than they are. And sometimes simple truth is so common anyone can understand it but the smart people. Right, we have you know, everybody's familiar with that word nuance. You know what nuance is? Nuance is what smart people like to talk about because it makes them well. We know the nuance of this. You just you just look at this as a common person, but we know the like the little things that you need to know, right? And so so some people are too smart for their own good. We have that saying. Only the enlightened can look at two and two and get five. See, that was actually a popular mechanics article I, I saw a few. Two plus two just might be five. No, no, it's four. Right. It's still four. But the educated people know that two plus two is five. There's, there's a way to look at it. Only the gifted intellects can, can look at an at a amazing universe that works and is coordinated and, and, and all the scientific principles work and we have this wonderful organized system that is so organized and so ordered and so amazing that we can launch something from a moving, spinning planet and circle around and land on another moving thing. That's amazing. That's how much order. It's predictable. And that person can look at that and go, it's an accident. Well, you're gifted. You must have an amazing intellect that you could find an accident out of that. Only geniuses can, can figure out that if you take people's incentive away, that they'll be more productive. You're gifted. You have that intellect. <laughs> Conversely, they are also the same ones that figure out that if you take fear of punishment away from a kid, he'll be better behaved. Try that on, besides. So, interestingly, while I was researching this, I, I was looking for some examples of this, you know, to, to illustrate it, and I found a site that was all about things that were taught that are not true. And that's kind of what I was looking for. You know, things that the experts have said that, uh, that really uh, demonstrate 
this concept, and I came across a site that, in a weird way, proved my point itself. There was all these things, this list of things that was supposedly where we've been taught that aren't true. And I'm like, no, but that's actually true. You're so gifted. You're so gifted that you can make this list up and you're actually proving yourself wrong. Like, uh, uh, there, was, there was a ton of them. Uh, I found one of them that was, uh, elephants don't have graveyards. That, that's actually true. They don't. But they do have funerals. But it was like this person that was trying to be smarter than the rest. They actually do have funerals. You're so smart that you can... And, and so I, I, I found some videos. I'm like, well, maybe I, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought that was true. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking for videos. And I found videos. Uh, and and this, this lady, she's so smart. She's so smart. She's out in, the, out in Africa looking at these elephants. And, and, and here's a de- there's a carcass of an elephant. And, and elephants are coming from miles away. And different clans of elephants are coming and they're touching this, this elephant body, right? And, 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 she, and this lady, she's narrating what's going on, and she's like, and there's, there's water coming out of the eyes, out, out behind the eyes from these ducks, uh, but we don't know that they're grieving. And she's talking about how the, they're staying around it. She's like, well, and elephants typically eat, uh, you know, 75% of the time they're awake, but, but they haven't eaten for like two days, but we don't know that they're grieving. It's like, you know, stupid people can look at this video and know that they're grieving. Right? But, but you have the degree, I guess, so you're right. And God says, I, I thank you, you've hidden it from the conceited people in society. Christ, and, and, and revealed this, thank you, God, that I don't have to work with these people. Let me just work with these people who can like, listen to me and get it. What simple means. Just, just the simple people. <clears throat> Simple is kind of an insult today. You're a simpleton, right? You ever heard that? Maybe a little bit of a dated reference, but you're a, they're simple, simple-minded. The word simple has gone through a couple of evolutions. Uh, and uh, it used to mean, uh, it used to be like before our common usage, it was a medical word. It meant singular. Uh, and so, or basic. So, so someone would want to get. They would go out and get like basic. This is going back like centuries. And they would get basic things for healing. So, so basic elements from which they could, you know. So they'd pick, you know, flowers or whatever that they could get a basic element from to combine and, and make their pharmaceuticals from. It was basic. And that's simple. And we kind of have that. It's easy. It's simple. But before that, it was a word that meant. Innocent. Now think about that, impure. So we've gone from having a, a word that means simple and innocent, it was a positive thing, through this kind of neutral idea, and it, then it's developed a negative meaning. Now that's how, what this word has done. But the gospel is for the simple. It's not for, I'm not saying it's not for educated people, but it's not for the conceited educated people. They can't get it. It's, it's, it's too easy for them. Matthew 13, 13 has a different uh, idea, but slightly along the same lines. Matthew 13, 13. Just letting my eyes focus on these numbers. These, these uh, numbers are getting, letters are getting smaller and smaller, I think. Um, 
Every time I open this Bible, it says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now we're going to get to the questions eventually. We read this, we go, seeing they see, hearing they don't hear. What does that mean? And uh, these two statements, uh, as we get into the questions, we're going to tie up with, with some questions that Jesus asked. And they, they form the basis of, of our opening message on wisdom. Uh, and it explains two concepts of why people don't understand. And so I want you to keep your mind on these things. Hearing they don't hear, and, and seeing they don't see, or having, some, some say, uh, having ears to hear, they don't hear, and, and having eyes to see, they don't see. Right? That's kind of a, a weird thought. And so I want to stay right here in Matthew 13, and I want to go to, the, to verse 51, and we're going to look at our, our first question. Uh, he says, Jesus said to them, so he's just talked with them, have you understood all these things? Have you understood what I've said to you? And I want to talk about this idea of having ears to hear. What does that mean? I want to talk about listening to Christ. So at home, uh, we, you know, we all have that how do we do things, and at different ages, how do you talk in front of the kids without talking in front of the kids, right? So when they're little, you spell things out. Hey, we're going to go get some ICEs, right? And so like, the kids don't know what that is, but pretty soon they start to learn to spell, right? And, um, and it's like, oh no, we've got to figure something else out. Like sign language? I don't know, we've got to figure out a way to talk in front of the kids that they don't know. Well, we had a convenient thing. We, we moved over to Ukraine and we were studying Russian. So we could speak in Russian, but the kids, it took about like three years, and they spoke better Russian than us, so that was no good, right? Now we've moved back, and because we studied and they just learned it from being outside, they've lost it, right? So now, uh, I, we can once again talk in Russian in front of them. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear, unless I use the word moroženoya, and then they know that's ice cream. So ice cream is it's one of those things that they learned it to spell it really quickly, and they, they, they retain that word in Russian. So, uh, so ice cream is, is out. You've you got you to gotta learn something else uh, for them not to pick up on that. But they have ears to hear, but don't hear. Right? They, don't, they don't get the message. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Do you understand? I know you've listened but have you understood? Have you, you've, you've got all the capabilities to figure out what I'm saying. It's just whether you're going to be able to put these two and two together and get four. Can you do that? There's lots of groups sitting here listening to Jesus as he's, as he's talking. And, and they're all hearing the same thing. He's talking in parables. Talks about, he's talking in parables. So, so they all have ears to hear. They all, they all can go away and recite the story that Jesus said here or there. right? But he's like, some of them are, are going to walk away and not be able to tell me what I meant. It has to do with what language you're speaking. Their lives have been built on a different language. The priorities, in other words. Things that make it impossible to get what Christ is saying. Right. If, you, if, if you hear someone say, you've got to lose your life to save it. Hmm? 
That makes no sense. No. You're too smart. If you hear someone say, um, you know, turn the other cheek. No. That doesn't make sense to me. See, because we naturally, as human beings, we speak the language of self-preservation and self-defense and rights. We, we speak that language. We're good at that language. But we've got to stop speaking that language because Jesus is talking a different language so that those who aren't too smart will get it. That's easy. I understand what he's saying. It's not that those things like self-preservation and, and all those things are bad. Their impulse is made by God to protect us physically, but Jesus is talking spiritually. He's, he's talking a spiritual language, and if you're talking a physical language, you're not going to get what he's saying. And so I want to talk about the importance of seeing this in our lives. Right? We, we, we can go back and look at the parables, and we can look at what Jesus is saying. We, oh, it's so easy for us to go... Why don't you get what he's saying? That's simple. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that in the year 2020. Oh, well. Right. It's because we have the answers in the back of the book. Right. I get the answers in the back of the book if I want to cheat. But they didn't have that. They didn't even have the book yet. So, when we bring these forward... Sometimes the, our modern comprehension of these, we talked about this, how, how we, we kind of pull this forward 2,000 years and we try to you know, figure out what he's saying for us, how does this fit? How many know what the Financial Peace Institute is? Are you familiar with that? Okay. It, it's, it's not a bad thing, by the way. It, it's smart stuff. How to manage your money, how to be responsible, how to not get in debt. It's, they're good principles, they're biblically sound. I mean, the, the, Dave Ramsey is, a, is a, 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 a very devout religious person. And I'm not going to make any judgments about him because I don't know him. I wonder what would happen in the year 2020 if Jesus was doing this ministry and Jesus walked up to Dave Ramsey and said, sell everything you have. Everything. Your investments. Get rid of your investments. Say what? That's my retirement. Yeah, I know. Get rid of it. What about my three month uh, just in case I get, uh, just in case I, I lose my job? Yeah, that too. In fact, you're going to be losing your job because you're going to come follow me. What about my $1,000 emergency fund? Yeah, that too. That goes. See, now I'm not saying, Dave Ramsey might go through that with flying colors because I don't know Dave Ramsey, but I can tell you that, that maybe someone who, is, who has listened to those DVDs and memorized them might go, that doesn't sound like good, smart business, uh, biblical principles to me. Bibli these are biblical principles. And that's what I'm saying. There were people standing here who understood good, sound, Old Testament biblical principles, and Jesus comes along and says, i got something that might challenge your thoughts. They were well grounded in them. And they couldn't get what Jesus was saying. We have to hear Christ and we have to learn to speak a different language. But that's not all Jesus said. 
And Jesus said, having ears to hear, they don't hear, but having eyes to see, they don't see. Now, what in the world does that mean? I want to turn to John chapter 13 and illustrate this. John chapter 13 is one of my favorite stories of, of, of Christ. Um, because I love the sarcasm and the irony in, in, this, in this story, mostly. But uh, it has some incredible lessons uh, if we were to go through the whole thing. It is, it is really great. Uh, but uh, we're not going to go through the whole thing. Uh, John 13, um, verse 12. Actually, this, uh, sorry, this is not the one I was looking for, but this is a separate one. We're going to get to the one I'm looking for in John. So we're going to start with the question. John 13, 12. Um, he says, so when he had washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down again. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? No, stop right there. This is the question. We're going to introduce my story in just a second. Um, so put yourself, you're in Peter's feet, right? Or in Peter's shoes, right? You're, and he's just washed your feet. Do you know what I've done to you? Like, is this a trick question? You just washed my feet. No, no. Do you know what I have done? Do you see what I have done? Well, it's beyond just the uh, just the simple illustration. Just beyond the simple story, there's a lesson that Jesus is trying to get Peter and the disciples to figure out. In other words, he hasn't said anything really. He's done something, and he's he's hoping that they can figure out the object lesson, and they don't. It's kind of obvious from what Peter does, oh no, don't let me, he's not figuring it out. You can't do this. You're not going to die. And we go through this whole story, and this whole story is full of Peter challenging Christ on something. And, and, And Jesus is trying to get him to figure something out. And so he does it with a, a physical lesson. See, our, our vision is our most dominant sense. If you ask people, what sense do you want to lose? That, that would come last. Like, I'll, I'll go deaf. Please give me, keep me my eyes. I just, I, I don't want to be blind. That's so dominant. We, we rely on it. To us, if we see it, it's true. So if you're seeing things correctly... That's wonderful, but sometimes your vision is impaired. And if, if you've seen something incorrectly, no one can convince you otherwise. Like, I know I saw that. He was wearing a red shirt. Right? If you're colorblind, it was red, you know, or whatever. It's like, you've got problems. You're not seeing correctly. And so bad vision can come from two sources. It can come because we have this internal flaw with our eyes, or it can come from poor observation. Right? It can, it, it's, it's not anything, it's not a medical condition. You've just not been trained to observe things. Right? Some people just kind of, if you have vision that you just kind of focus on things, you don't see stuff going, that could be a dangerous situation. Right? You're not trained to kind of look around. You just... That's a, that, it's a vision problem, but it, it's not because your eyes are horrible. It's just, you need to be trained. And so we can have poor vision problems. And when we have poor vision problems, we have eyes to see, but they're not seeing. Right? And we see both of these things in the Pharisees. And so this is where I want to get to the story that I love so much. John chapter 9. 
And this, this whole thing is, is about the man who was born blind. And I want to read a couple of sections here. Verse 39 through 41. I want to start with the end here. He says, Jesus says, For his judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who may see will be blind. And we'll get back to that. That's kind of weird. It's like, like Jesus thanking people that, that, thanking God that some people wouldn't and don't understand. This is my purpose. I want some people who see not to see. My purpose in teaching class today is for, for you not to understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, then there were some of the Pharisees who were with him and heard these words and said to him, Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you are blind, then you would have no sin. But because you say we see, that now your sin remains. And so he's identifying that this, there's a spiritual problem and because they refuse to acknowledge the spiritual problem, they are blind. And that sin will continue with them. It's the people who understand that they, aren't, that they do have issues that will hear and see Christ. And I want to focus on the idea of seeing Christ. Uh, so I want to back up into verse 16. Again, we, we kind of know the whole story, uh, but I want to just take out parts of it. In verse 16, beginning uh, and going uh, through verse 30, he says, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, Well, how can a, a man who is a sinner do such signs? And then there was a division among them. So they went back to the blind man again, said, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? Said, well, he's a prophet. But the Jews didn't believe concerning him that he had been born blind and received his sight, so they had to call his parents, um, the one who had received the sight, and they said, Is this your son? Now you say he was born blind. How then does he see? His parents answered them and said, We know this. Our son, this is him, um, and he was born blind. How he sees now, we don't know. Who opened his eyes? I'm not sure. He's old enough. Ask him. He can speak for himself. His parents said this really because they feared the Jews. Because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, he would be uh, put out of the synagogue. So therefore his parents just said, ask him. Well, they called again to the man who was blind and said, Give God glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he said to him, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I just know one thing. Simple. Simple guy. I was blind, now I see. They said to him again, Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He says, I already told you that. We already went through this the first time you came to the house. Do you want to hear do you like hearing this story? It's a nice story. Do you like to hear in the story? You want to hear it again? You must want to be his disciples. A little sarcasm there. I like this guy. Then they insulted him and said, Ah, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. So the man answered and said, Wow, this is amazing. You don't know where he's from, but he's opened my eyes. <laughs> I love this story. As I look at this story, 
I see that these people had a conclusion. They've already reached a conclusion. They're so smart, they've reached a conclusion. And there's no facts going to get in their way of the narrative. In our world, the narrative is the bedrock. You've heard that word. Narrative, narrative, narrative. It means a conclusion. That's all it means. This is is what we're talking about. This is the verdict. This is what this means. And if people have a narrative, they're going to search for the facts that support it. And if a certain set of facts doesn't fit the narrative, they'll just throw those in the trash and keep searching until they find the ones that do. That is these guys. This is not a new thing. This is right here in John 9. Go to the guy. What is it? Tell us the whole thing. This doesn't seem to be adding up. Okay, let's go to the parents. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Okay, let's go back to the guy. And they're going and going and going going until they're finally going to just, this is it. This is, we call it confirmation bias. They are only going to accept what confirms their conclusion. This man is a sinner. And this guy, that's amazing. I only know one thing. I couldn't see, I can see. That seems pretty simple to me. And so we get to a point where people literally could not see as good as a blind man. A blind man has figured it out. And people who have eyes to see what has happened, they can see, they've acknowledged that he was blind and he now sees. They acknowledge the basic facts of the case and can't find the simple conclusion. Now, John chapter 3. Verse 1 through 10, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God. No one can do the things that you do unless God is with them. Different kind of a guy. Same group, Pharisees, but this guy is different, isn't he? He's acknowledged some things. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Now, I think at this point what's happened, because this is kind of weird, he just kind of interrupts. He doesn't even acknowledge what he said. And I think what Jesus is doing here, he's like, okay, I'm going to test you out. Because you've just acknowledged that you agree and, and you're willing to listen and all this stuff. So let me test you out. I'm going to give you a hard one. Oh, I'm smart. And I agree with you. I'm not like those guys. I'm different. Okay, let's test you out with a hard question. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Ooh, not not off to a great start here. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants. And you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? You don't understand. How is that? So we see 
not everybody who fails to understand it is, has a bad motive that prevents them. I want to be fair to, to Nicodemus. There was the Pharisees in, in, in you know, John 9. Those guys have bad motives. Those guys simply refused. They've got a, a medical problem with their eyes. Right? They've got a moral failing in their eyes, in their spiritual eyes, that is going to refuse them. Nicodemus is just a man that's not trained yet. He, he's not trained his vision to comprehend things. He's willing to observe, but he still has some problems with his vision. He just needs to get it home. So he's not disingenuous. And so many of the Pharisees were simply blinded by what we would call their orthodoxy. Whether you explain the, the, what it means to orthodoxy. Orthodoxy has to do with the, the official correct p- position on something. Right? Uh, this is the way things are supposed to be done. These are the words we use. This is the right phraseology. This is the correct doctrine. And orthodoxy isn't a bad thing. But this is why Peter, if we go all the way back, this is why Peter couldn't understand what Jesus was about. He couldn't understand the, the washing of the feet. He couldn't understand how are you going to... You can't die. Right? This is not how things work. He's, Peter was stuck in his orthodoxy. Have you ever had a conversation with people where no matter what you said, like, like, like you're having a conversation and you, you obviously disagree on something, on a conclusion, but every point in the conversation they challenge it. Right? Okay, well, this, we know this is true. No, that's not true. What's going on in this conversation? Every, this is obviously true. Well, what's, it's called denying the premise. See, the person that you're disagreeing with knows that you're going to a place where they're eventually going to disagree. So what they're doing is they're denying your premise. Every premise you lay down, they're going to deny because they don't want to get to that conclusion. So, so because they have a different view on the correct position, I need to be able to come back. When you get to your, well, therefore... I need to come back, well, yeah, I disagreed with this point, so everything you've said is built on this that I disagree. And just in case they get one, oh, oh, you proved that point, they're going to argue every premise you lay down. You can say the sky is blue. No, I disagree. They're going to argue everything. Because they got to deny the premise. Because they are afraid, or you are afraid if you do this, of giving up the orthodox position. I don't want to be led to a conclusion that disagrees with something I believe. I was in a forum, in Church of Christ forum, and um, on one of the social media things, and it's a good group. But I, I, I talked to someone in there, I met a, a preacher from Michigan, and I don't know who he is, and. Uh, I was like, I said, you know, he's a young guy. I, I can tell he's a young guy. And uh, I said, you know, I, I've been looking at your posts, and it, it's nice to see someone that's like this gung-ho about correct things. I said, but all of your posts have to do with orthodoxy. All, all of your sermons, I, I, I'm preaching the sermon on this, and I'm preaching the sermon, and all his sermons have to do with 
the orthodoxy. This is the right way to do this. This is the right way, and this is the right way. And it's all about doctrine. I said, I said you know, at, coming from a younger preacher, I remember being there. Right? I remember fresh out of Bible college, and all I was interested in was this is the right way to do it. <laughs> at some point, that's not that beneficial. If, we, if all we do is walk out of the church doors today and feel self-righteous that we do things the right way, we really haven't accomplished anything. My sermon hasn't accomplished anything. I said, you've got 45 minutes of people's time. Don't waste it only telling them to do things the right way. That, that should be in there. There, there are times where we that's important. But if you don't affect the way people are and bring them closer to God in more than just doctrine, then we haven't accomplished anything. We can, we can talk about the right plan of salvation. That's important. The right way to worship. Okay, let's have that discussion. Things we should or shouldn't do. How often do we take Lord's Supper? Like, those are all orthodoxy things. But at the end of the day, when I walk out of the orthodoxy sermon and I haven't been taught to love, and, and I, don't, I haven't been taught about compassion, that's not orthodoxy. There's, there's no doctrine there. There's a, it's a behavior. It's being closer to Christ and more like Christ. It's beyond hearing the things Jesus said. It's observing Christ and being like Christ. Christ didn't just go around telling people the right way to do things. Doctrine will not make me more like Christ. It might make me understand a little bit more of Christ if I listen to the things he said in the sermons. But observing the things Jesus did. I got a red letter Bible. Oh, the red letter Bible. It's really hard to read when you, <laughs> your vision starts to go. It's like I got the black part. That red part is pretty fuzzy right here. But red letter Bibles are a little dangerous. Because the red is what he said, right? And, and, uh, and, and we focus so much on the things Jesus said. But there's a lot of black letters in there. I'm looking at this page and it's two-thirds of black letters. It's a lot of stuff that Jesus did. Not just said. And this blind guy was aware of what Jesus did. This is all I know. He didn't quote anything Jesus said. This man is talking with the Pharisees, and he didn't quote a single thing that Jesus said. He just said, this is what I know. I was blind, but now I see. He did something. It wasn't about the orthodoxy. He was not persuaded about Christ by orthodoxy arguments. He was persuaded by what Jesus did. As we conclude, I want to challenge you. 
not just to open your ears to hear. To, to listen and, and speak that language, that is, that is a very, very, very important thing. To, to start learning to speak the language of Christ. To, to ignore, to step back with fresh ears, I guess, and, and listen to what Christ is saying. But I want you to watch his ministry. What do I mean by watch his ministry? It's just a challenge. We, you go through, and we all have Bible reading plans and, and things, and you might download one. I don't know where you're at in yours, but the next time you decide to go through the Gospel, I would challenge you to do something. Go through the Gospels like a deaf man. Don't read the red letters. I mean, I'm not saying don't read them, but, but don't focus on the red letters. A deaf man wouldn't know what he just said, unless he was really good at reading lips. Go through it like a deaf person. Could Jesus have converted a deaf person? Probably did. Without healing him. I don't, I don't suppose Jesus healed every person he came across. There's probably people that stayed deaf. There's probably people that stayed blind. Christ said, you're going to have to deal with it. Could a deaf person be a Christian? Or be converted. So go through. Look at the stories. Step back with fresh eyes and look at what Jesus did. Look at Jesus, for example, going up to a leper and touching him. This is a small thing. We read over that detail like so many times, and, and I stopped one time, and I, I, I did this study myself, and I went through, and I just took as many lessons, not from what Jesus said, but just from what Jesus did. And look at the interesting things and ways that Jesus interacted with people, and what he did to impact people by his actions, beyond his words. Taking a man who has suffered, who is humiliated, who has a stigma attached to him because of he's unclean and he's disgusting and he's got a skin disease and people kind of move you. And Jesus goes up to him and touches him to heal him. Jesus could have stood 50 feet off and said, you're good now. But he goes up to him, pure Jesus, this Jesus goes up to him and touches a leper. No one's touched this man in a long time. You ever just have someone come by and kind of pat you on the back? This guy didn't have that for years and years and years. And Jesus heals him and touches him. Like little things like that that Jesus did. Step back and look at what Jesus does. And, and when you're done reading those and seeing that as a deaf person, be impacted in the way you interact with people. So the challenge is, is God has given us here, I, I don't see any blind people, and I don't see any deaf people here. God has blessed all of us. Let's go through and, and, and use what we have. Th those things that God has blessed us with to, to improve our lives and, and draw just a little bit closer uh, to Christ this week.